Welcome to Let's Keep It Real with Sandy Joy Weston. Here's where I get to talk to amazing people from all over the world who are making a positive impact and discuss topics in every single area of life. The sky's the limit. Some might be a little controversial, but eh, we don't shy away from them because everyone I speak to is coming from a good space. So it's an opportunity to learn a lot and expand your mind. Today's awesome and inspiring guest is Lauren Link. Lauren Link is a registered dietitian. Ooh, I'm so excited about that. And board certified specialist in sports dietetics. Oh God, I have questions for her. She is the director of sports nutrition at Purdue University. Awesome. Where she played women's soccer. Now leading the sports nutrition program for Purdue's division number one athlete, division one baby. Lauren is passionate not only about promoting optimal performance for her athletes during their time at Purdue, but also She's about creating lifelong habits that will help them successfully navigate the, oh my God, confusing world is not even saying enough of nutrition and health when they move on. I can relate. Lauren has led multiple initiatives to this end, founding a student athlete community garden and spearheading a program called Blast Boiler Life After Sport. I love it designed to help address key components of athletes transitioning to, quote-unquote, normal human status. Lauren, and you got a book that's coming out in November. I'm so excited for you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. This is so cool. So let me just tell everybody how I met Lauren. Uh, You know, I published my book last January, and we've been doing guests from all around the world. And finally, I said... I would love to help publishers, you know, get their story out that has something to do with well-being. And we came across Lauren and I thought, everyone, everyone can relate to this. And I'm so glad that you're doing this. But I have to admit, I don't, are you still at Purdue right now? Is that where you are today? It is. Where is Purdue? Let everybody know where Purdue is. Purdue is in West Lafayette, Indiana. Oh, okay. West Lafayette. I knew it was in Indiana. So have you ever been to Philly? You know, I have not. I've been to Boston is probably the closest. Oh, I love Boston. Do you love Boston? Yeah, it was so fun. It was too much good food and drink. Yeah. Oh, that's true. So now, all right, I have a couple questions so I can get to know you. So let's get a little background. I know you went to Purdue and I know you were a soccer player, but where did you grow up? I grew up in Kokomo, Indiana, which is about an hour east of Purdue. Oh, and did you always know you wanted to go to Purdue? I did. It's a family affair. My parents, siblings, aunts, uncles, you name it, most went to Purdue. So I grew up a Boilermaker. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Purdue is an awesome school. I mean, everyone knows about it. Uh, either you kind of know where it is, but like you forget, but it's like an awesome school. Everybody knows about Purdue. Do you know, have you ever met a person that didn't know about Purdue? Once in a while, we get the question of where we're located. So I will yeah. say that, but we're pretty well known. We have the first and last man on the moon. We're a big astronautical engineering school. I did not know that. Thank you. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. And we have a great sports history. Drew Brees is a former Purdue player. He just broke the NFL all-time passing record. So we got to go on. He is from Purdue. He is. I love Drew Brees. 
Okay. Right? How could you not? Uh, yeah, I mean, you can't. You can't. He's just one of those guys you love, you know? Okay. So I can see you're a big sports nut then. Yes. It, like, all right. So I have to ask, is it just your sport or is it every sport? Like that you love football and soccer and baseball and everything. I would definitely say my husband played football at Purdue. So that's how we oh met. Oh my God. My husband would love talking to him. Okay, go ahead. Never mind. So I love football for sure. I like watching football. If you grow up in Indiana, you can't not love basketball. Yeah. Uh, so I love watching basketball and, and I do like watching other sports for sure. But those are probably my top three, soccer, basketball, and football. Okay. So now you grew up playing just soccer or did you try everything as a kid? Oh, I played a lot of sports. I played practically everything, it seems like. But uh, in high school, I played soccer, basketball, and I ran track. So those were my three main sports, if you will. And did you excel at all of them? I'm just guessing you did. I mean, I was a pretty good athlete, I guess I'll say. I don't want (laughs) to talk myself up, but I was pretty good at those. No, you can't. You must have been. It sounds like you were a great athlete. And you played soccer at Purdue, right? Right. Well, I mean, okay. So Lauren, can I ask you a personal question? Do you mind? I have to understand this. All right. So little background. I, I have an older daughter who is living in Florida and in her thirties and married. And I have just a fast forward, a son that's a freshman in high school here, mm-hmm. Conestoga. And in our area in Conestoga, it's one of the number one high schools in the state, you know, for a public school. And we're not that great right now at football, but we kill it in soccer. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I've never known that much about soccer because the family's more of the football and the wrestling and all that stuff. But they said, Lauren, that soccer is so competitive. Even some of the kids that I thought were on traveling teams and went around the world in middle school they can't even make the soccer team in high school. Is it that, like, is it really on the upswing? Is it even bigger than it's ever been? Because this is crazy. They have A team, B team, C team, D team. And the girls were like, oh my God, there were like 70 kids going out just for the C team. Right. I I, I think it depends a little bit on the area for sure, but definitely I think on the upswing compared to where it's ever been before. It just seems to continue to grow in popularity in the U S and starting to have more academies and a lot more high level club teams. Right. So when you were playing, how did your team do at Purdue when you were at? We had, we had some up and down years, but my freshman year was probably the best. We won the big 10 championship. My freshman year, Um, we were ranked fourth in the country at one point. What year was that? That was 2007. All right, cool. So That's awesome. Yeah, That's that was a fun year. All right, then there were other non-fun years, it sounds like, like every team, right? Right, we, we definitely had our ups and downs, but there was a lot of really fun and good highlights. Yeah, that sounds, I'm glad you said that. So did you just go right in to working at Purdue just from graduation? No, I actually, after I graduated and I did my dietetic internship, I worked in hospitals for about a year. Oh. Uh, so I did the clinical route at first, and then um, the position opened up at Purdue. It was part-time at first, um, so I took a little bit of a risk. I took that position, um, and then about six months later, I became our first full-time dietitian. With so, okay. I know your book is about how 
athletes transition into like, I get it, the human world. And it's a tough thing. And I've seen so many because I own health clubs. I can, I can see it and they Mm -hmm. don't know what to do with it. And they get older. I'm doing it from a different perspective in, you know, I was a star athlete. Like we, we chart, we joke and sometimes call it like glory days because Mm -hmm. these people were all over. And then, you know, just they're like 30 or 30 something and they get married and things start happening that I don't know if that's your clientele, but they don't know what to do with that, you know, Mm -hmm. which is probably different than what you're dealing with at Purdue, but I see it all the time. And it's a, it's a shock for them. Like, wait a minute, I did this, 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 and this. So do you see that? I mean, are there any of your clients? Yeah. So I think more so, well, there's just so many different stages of it. Okay. Um, We obviously with collegiate athletes and them transitioning right out, I think the hardest thing is, they don't, they've just never not been an athlete. Yeah. And they don't really plan for it. They don't really prepare for it. They kind of push it off instead and just don't want to think about it. And then all of a sudden it just feels very abrupt. And all of a sudden they've gone from burning thousands of calories a day to very few calories a day, depending on their job and their situation. Yeah. Um, you know, they have never not had teammates constantly surrounding them. So how do I make friends if I'm not just dropped into an immediate group of peers? Um, There's just so many things. A lot of times professionally, they can struggle because they've spent so much time on their sport (laughs) that they haven't really thought to build their resume, to get out and make connections outside of their sport. I Uh, I understand that. All, all across the board, we see them struggle with that. But I really, because of my profession, I focus more on the nutrition and fitness side. Yeah. Um, but definitely try to sprinkle in some of the life things as well and professional things. Because you can relate to it, I'm sure. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, your, yeah, your job, though, you know, I'm sure you get to some work out maybe more than most people, right? I mean, you make sure it's part of your life still. Right. And it's easy when you work in athletics to run up to the weight room or whatever and get a quick workout in. Yep. And it's not, listen, we have a, we, my health club, one of my health clubs is um, right in center city, Philadelphia, Lauren, it's at 19th and market. So it's right in the middle of the corporate. So Mm -hmm. you have everything from kids right out of college uh, who's starting jobs to, you know, people in their 70s, 80s, but the young kids coming in, I see what you're talking about. They feel like a deer caught in headlights because now they have a real job nine to five. Right. A lot of them are sitting, like you said, at their desk and they can barely figure out how to get 20 or 30 minutes. And they look at me. I, I was just on, Oh my God. I was just on a college campus at Temple university. And I was doing this live podcast with the kids and they looked at me and said, we don't have time to work out. I'm mm-hmm. like, What? You have to work out. You're going to be insane. And then they're like, we can't like, no, 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 no. You have to figure out five or 10 or 15 minutes. I don't care. And then I'm like, what about your food? And they go, oh, we can't afford to eat healthy. (laughs) I don't know if you heard that. I'm like, okay, well, there's got to be a better way than what you're eating right now. So do you deal with that? I I, I don't know. It's crazy. It really was upsetting to me. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing people don't understand too about, the way collegiate athletics has evolved is that we can provide them so much more now that realistically, depending on, you know, how big of a school you're at and the resources they have, but it's not unrealistic to think that an athlete can go through four or five years of college as an athlete and not 
hardly have to cook or grocery shop because there's just so much food provided for them. Ah, uh, really? Which is, yeah, which is a great thing. You know, I've always thought it was crazy that we wouldn't, we weren't able to provide a lot of food. About four or five years ago, the legislation changed within the NCAA and that made it a lot easier for schools yep. to provide food. But it always was crazy to me. Like we're asking them to burn thousands of calories and we can't even feed them. Um, but now that we can feed them, it also has that negative side, if you will, of they're not necessarily learning the same life skills that they would have, you know, four or five years ago. They're not yeah, having to cook yeah. as often. Well, I'd still rather have you done. give them food. I love that. Well, I know my net, my nephew, big time football player athlete, and I brought him down and we hooked him up to see how many calories he was burning at mm-hmm. rest. And it's like, I just, I wanted to hit him. It was 5,000 calories. I'm like, oh my God. But he's playing football and he's weight training. And then he gets out of college last year and he just graduated and he's in financial investment. And here's this, like you said, big time athlete. And guess what? It's not happening the same way. Right. So that's who you're dealing with. He needs your book. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Tell him. No, I'm not kidding you. And they're all big athletes in my husband's family. And I thought about that. He was constantly this, this, and this. Now he still goes to the gym, thank God, but it's not the same, you know, as that's all right. you do morning, noon, and night, right? Well, if you're a great athlete. Yeah. And even like the time, the time commitment is one thing. Cause like you mentioned, it's, it's hard for them to find the time because they've always had a couple hours at least set aside to do their they, sport. They had no choice. They had no choice. Yeah. Right. Um, but the other thing that, that I see people really struggle with is just the motivation to do it. And even knowing how, you know, they've yes. always had somebody coaching them, writing their programs for them, yeah. yelling over their shoulder. So sometimes even if they can find the time to work out, they get in there and they're like, well, what do I do? Yeah. Or they work out at a much lower intensity, which is fine, but they don't necessarily adjust their intake for that lower intensity. And they think, well, I'm working out, but why am I gaining weight? Um, So there's just, it's all over the board. There's so many challenges that this group faces. Well, let me tell you something. Now it's making sense to me because I feel bad for this, but there were some young kids that came in from, we have a lot of college. We have university of Pennsylvania near us. We have Drexel university near us and they come in and they're, they have the student discount and they were star athletes. Right. And then you're out, they come to the gym and they said to me, well, we don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, what do you mean? You don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You were an athlete. You worked out for your entire life. And now you're standing in front of me going, uh, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't afford that, but I think I need group training. Do you, I, and I feel bad because I'm thinking, oh, come on. They're just selling me something. Mm-hmm. But what you're saying is they're not because they always had somebody directing them. Right. Directing, motivating, making them do it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a definite challenge for them. And kind of on the other end of the spectrum, I also see a lot where people – finish their sport and they don't want to do anything because they've been made to do yeah. it for years. And, and they hate it so then. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember thinking that when I finished, I mean, I enjoy working out and I continued to work out when I finished playing soccer, but I did think I'm never getting under a bar again. I just had no interest in weightlifting. I, you know, I had gained oh. quite a bit of muscle over my time at Purdue and oh. thought, yeah, I'm not getting under a bar again. And then cut to six months later. Um, I had, 
lost weight. I probably lost two pant sizes. Whoa. I was not lifting at the same, nearly the same capacity. Yeah. No, and no, I understand. I love lifting. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking like, wow, this is not exactly what I envisioned. Like now I wish I had my muscle back. So, so it can be a hard balance. There. I love hearing that from a female. You just made my heart sing. So <laughs> most girls are like, what are you complaining about? You lost two pants sides, but I, I, you didn't, you liked having, you know, that tone and definition and muscle on your body. Like you felt yes. great. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So wait a minute. So you said six months later, then what did you do? Did you change and did you start getting under a bar? Yeah. I mean, progressively, I still did a lot more body weight stuff, you know, yeah. low, low weight stuff, but I started lifting a lot more consistently. And then slowly but surely I did get under a bar a little bit. I mean, I'm still not lifting to the same extent that I was in college, uh, no. but I do make it a point to include that stuff in my routine. Yeah. I know I was just doing, I think at another time in another podcast, you would be interested, but I was always like, I was a dance major and all that. So I get it. And then I really got into lifting and I just loved the way I was. And so recently, and I'm much older than you, there was a study, somebody challenged me and you can appreciate this. They're like Sandy. And I basically, just so you know, I, mm-hmm. I had my son when I was 43 and I probably was in the best shape, just so you know this. And my entire life when I was in, like when I was 40. Yeah. That's because yes, I was in great shape as a dance major and I went to college for dance and all that stuff too. But I decided when I was in my late twenties and it wasn't popular back then that I was going to strength train and learn how to, you know, mold my body. And one of the Villanova football coaches helped me. And I loved the way I felt. I loved the way I looked. I changed my whole body around that no one ever could imagine. Well, then, you know, businesswoman, mom, all this stuff, you know, I didn't work out the same. You know what I mean? I wasn't teaching 15 classes a week and I wasn't doing that. So somebody, I was just at a big meeting with a lot of professors and they said, well, Sandy, you know, age, you know, hits you and you're not able to do the same things that you were. I go, oh, I agree with that as a female, but this is what I did until my son was born at 43. I taught 15 classes a week. I left it four times a week, heavy, two hours a day. I didn't drink and I ate clean. Right. What would happen now, just so you know, um, I'll be 59 in November. Uh, if I did that, could I be in the best shape of my life? Or yes, there's a difference in age. So they said, okay, we want to study you. You're going to do that. And I go, what the F? I don't want to do that again. Are you nuts? They're like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to go back. Like, yeah, my son, yeah, I'm good. Like, I like the way I look, but I said, game on. So my, I've been doing an eight week study. It'll be done. Thank God, Lord have mercy. It'll be done next week where they did all my vitals, how much I lived, how much I do this, my brain and put me on a really strict thing and lifting hard four times a week up this, no gluten, no nothing. It's awesome. But (laughs) you should see it changed. I mean, I'm almost there girl. Like it's fantastic. So it's, that's, but that's awesome for the young people to know, like maybe they go through, a little something, but if you get determined, do you want to put all that time into it? Probably right. not. You see what I'm, I'm saying? But For if you sure. did, you can get it back if you want to. I was just out to prove something. This sucker's going away in a week. This is right. ridiculous. 
you know. <laughs> but the reason I'm asking you that is when I started doing it, there's a method to my madness here. When I started doing it, because I always just ate whatever, even still to this day, because I work out hard, I mountain bike still, I do all that crap. And I eat a little bit of everything. I don't overeat. But then I had to investigate so I could talk about my journey, all the pros and cons of nutrition. I wanted to slap myself silly. What is wrong with this industry? I mean, there's keto, there's paleo, there's, you know, no carb, there's high carb, there's fast metabolism. Nutritionists are doing this. No, don't do that. Don't. Right. Lauren, I want to kill myself. I mean, I mean, jokingly, but like, I was like, I am overwhelmed. What is the average human out there thinking? Like, I don't even know what to do. So I just kind of made up my own stuff, but I have a lot of knowledge. Like, I don't understand. I don't know what to believe. It's honestly, that's the biggest challenge about being in our profession uh, is that there's so much misinformation out there. And not only that, but people are so willing to believe for whatever reason when it comes to nutrition, they're willing to believe whatever their friend wrote on Facebook, whatever they saw in Why? the magazine, Why? whatever Oprah said. I mean, you name it. And part of that, I think, is that nature, human nature is that they want the quick fix. They want something, you know, flashy. And yeah. they don't want to hear that it's going to take work and time because it took time to get the weight on. It's going to take time to get it off. Um, and you're going to have no, to say no, Lauren, say no, say no. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, it is, it's a huge problem in the nutrition industry between, you know, faulty science being backed by certain industries, people with no credentials out there putting all kinds of information. Yeah. What do you do? How do you, cause like my girlfriend said, I've never taken a supplement in my life. I know I probably should have, but I feel good. I eat healthy. So she said, watch this show. I don't know if you've seen it on HBO, but it's still there if you get a chance. It's on Vice. If you've ever heard that show, Vice, it's a 30-minute mm-hmm. show. And last week, there was a whole thing on the wellness nutrition. So if you haven't seen it, Lauren, check it out. Um, I'm sure you can find it. It's still on HBO or you can get it online something. Okay. And the last portion – is about the billion dollar supplement industry. Oh. And I wanted to, I was like crying how they take advantage of people. And I people mean, believe it. it, we, we educate our athletes all the time on this. And the, the biggest thing I can tell people is, well, a, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. Um, but I love you. thank you. <laughs> but the other thing is just, it's so poorly regulated and people just assume because it's at GNC or Target or Walmart at these big stores, like, oh, it must be fine. Um, yes. And I just want to shake them because I'm like, no, really, it's not getting pulled off the shelves. If it's a, you know, it could be the sketchiest supplement. You can make it in your basement practically, slap a label <laughs> it off on there, and it won't get pulled off the shelves until people start dying. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And I'm, I'm sure maybe I should be taking something like collagen or a multivitamin and stuff like that. So I'm trying to ask the metal community what to take mm-hmm. but I, you know, on the extreme. But in, even in the eight weeks of me leaning out, it took me eight weeks to lose eight pounds. I did it healthy. I didn't do right. a quick fix. I, I did lifestyle changes. So it's been rough, but I know when I come back, there's certain little things that for my age, I won't do. It was a lifestyle change. Yeah. And, and nobody wants to hear that from me. They want to go, well, what vitamins did you take? Or mm-hmm. what, 
thing did you take? I go, I worked my ass off. Like, you don't want to hear that I lifted because I'm not saying you should, but that's what it took to look like this. Do do you see what I mean? But they don't hear that, Lauren. They hear Sandy took a freaking multivitamin or bio something. And then everyone started reaching out to me and wanting me to promote their supplements. And I was like, shut up. No way. (laughs) So I was like dying to talk to you. So what do you tell people? Or I know it's a lot and you can't address this, but what do you tell your athletes? Like, like what I mean, where would you direct them? I don't even know where to go with this. Cause have you heard of all these things? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. We hear it. Even in our population, <laughs> we hear all the fad diets, all of the latest supplements. Okay. Um, if I had to boil it down into the most Boiler. simple answer, yeah. I think for one, I always ask people, do you feel like you could do that diet for a month, three months, six months? a year? Because <laughs> if yeah. the answer is no, if you don't feel like you can do that diet for six months to a year to forever, then it's not sustainable. Uh, and so we really Love push it. our athletes to, to find a sustainable lifestyle and diet that won't make them miserable, both physically and mentally. Um, so I think that's what I say about diet, like I said, in a nutshell. Um, okay. And when no, it comes to that, thank you. When it comes to supplements, I usually will just tell athletes, well, for one, I don't think we need them, especially if you're a young, healthy adult. Um, you know, if you have a crap diet, then maybe a multivitamin is not the worst idea. Um, but generally speaking, if you're getting a good balanced diet, there's very little need for a supplement unless you have a diagnosed deficiency in something in which case for saying that. Thank you. Thank you. you. Yeah, you should totally, if that's the case, absolutely look into a supplement with the help of a doctor or a dietitian. Um, And past that, I guess just really, if if for some reason you feel like you want or need to take a supplement um, outside of the fact that you should be working with a professional on that, look for certifications. um, And that would be third-party certifications. The ones we look for are NSF, USP, or Informed Choice. Oh, Okay. And those are essentially third parties that come in um, and they test not only not only do they test for banned substances, which is only really applicable in our setting, um, but also they test to make sure that the label is accurate with what's actually in the product. And that's something that I think people don't realize is that it's so poorly regulated. They don't have to be truthful about what's in it. They can lie about something that isn't on the label that's in the product or vice versa, something that that you know oh my god oh my god it's worse than I even thought I thought yeah. it was bad because I I mean I've been slammed in my industry because it's a big money maker we've never even promoted a supplement inside my health club mm-hmm. but I know probably that's the extreme end but I, I just even I get protein shakes and all that I mean I make my own I have a Vitamix so I put my kale my spent boat but I know it's time consuming mm-hmm. and but those drinks, I mean, I guess young people can get away with it. It just seems all kind of crazy. I mean, do you have athletes that you know you can't talk them out of it? And they is it damaging or is it okay because they're young? Like, like all those drinks that speed you up and crazy stuff. I don't even all, know all the names of them. Well, it just totally depends on what it is. I mean, to your point about a protein shake, like for our population, a collegiate athlete, if it's an approved protein shake – that might not be bad at all, right? Because they're busy, they need something on the go. Um, So, so we use plenty of certified products like that. Um, Can you name one for the, because we have a really young audience. Can you name one? We honestly mostly use Gatorade 
Okay. Um, some muscle milk products are oh, out I, there. I know muscle milk. Yeah. I, I used power. To yeah. So, yeah. So there's some good ones out there. Um, but then past that, outside of, again, vitamins and minerals that are around a deficiency, yeah. um, it certainly can be damaging, I think is what I would say. It just depends on what it is. But, you know, depending on the age of the athlete, I mean, a young athlete should not be using creatine. That can certainly have health effects. Oh, Um, I didn't want to say that word, but yes, so many have come in and say to me, it works. Sandy, mm -hmm. I go, yeah, I think I'm good. Mm -hmm. But you don't, you don't think that is good. Well, just again, it depends on so many factors, but what I always tell for one, I would not suggest anyone under 18 using it. Um, just because okay. they're still growing and there's, you know, there's potential for side effects there. But, um, even my older, you know, my 18 to 22 year old guys, I always tell them, yeah, you will gain weight. Probably about 60% or so of the population is a reactor to creatine. Yeah. Some people just have naturally high levels and they really won't see much change when it comes to using a creatine uh, product. Okay. Uh, Good to know. I usually say, you know, if you do react to the creatine, you will see some weight come on for sure. Um, and that can be a good thing. It can be helpful if it makes sense with your sport. If you have a really explosive sport, creatine can be helpful. Um, like football but, players, you see it, they're mm-hmm, using it. Yeah, football, a jumper, a sprinter, you know, okay. it, can, it can have its application there, but it needs to be a good one, uh, a good product that is. Um, and so that would be the biggest thing. But oftentimes, at least with the weight gain, which is why a lot of young boys are taking it, uh, yes, the weight will come on, but it will also probably come off when you stop using it. Yep. So that's, again, just something to think about. If you're in your sport, then there's pros and cons, but it might be good when you're in your sport. When you Mm -hmm. stop your sport, there's really no need to do it except for it's your ego that doesn't want to lose that. I mean, I didn't want to say it that way, but does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does make sense. It certainly could apply to somebody like that. So yeah, my biggest message I think would just be the more you can seek help from a dietitian um, in regards to supplementing your diet with anything is ideal because they're going to look at the whole picture. You're right. You can't just cookie cutter it. Like I know, believe me, I know that Lauren, because people all the time, I get emails in different ways they'll see me and they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, that doesn't mean it's going to work for you. You know what I mean? Like I'm not you. My metabolism is different than you. Uh, What I do is different than you, but they don't want to hear that. And it's so like, we have a, um, just so you know, we have a a nutrition company called Simplex Health that my business partner started inside our company. And they're very much like your philosophy. Like we can't, you got to come see us to let, to figure out where you fit in and what your relationship is with food. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, you can give broad things, like make sure you don't take a supplement without really checking it out. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. And don't do a quick fix diet. But besides that, you need to sit down with someone. For sure. So I could talk to you forever about this because it just is a really, uh, this is, topic is so perfect right now, not just because of the young athletes and the kids coming out and how they see, you know, that the food's changing, but also because the wellness industry is being bombarded with what to believe and not to believe. So even though it's a different generation, the young people also are spending their money maybe in ways they don't need to be spending their money. 
you know, and thinking that's what they should do. Because like a, a young girl said to me, well, I was in sports, I was doing this and now I'm not like you said. So she thinks she should take all those supplements to make up for that. And it doesn't work like that. Right. Right. I mean, it can't, yeah. it's, it's impossible to work like that. All right. So I need to ask you then, how do you like doing this? It sounds like a great, awesome, beautiful job, like that you're able to take your knowledge and be at Purdue. I mean, this seems to me like a dream freaking job. It definitely is. I would a hundred percent agree with that. I've always kind of, when I got this job early in my career, um, definitely thought to myself, like, how do I go up from here? You know? Um, <laughs> but no, it's great. I love, I love working back at my alma mater is obviously fun, but I love working with this age of athlete, the collegiate age. Um, just because, you know, they're a fun group to work with. They're motivated usually. Um, but they're also in such a transformative time in their lives where they hopefully are gaining those life skills and figuring out, you know, their bodies a little bit. And, um, there's just so much change going on for them that it's fun to hopefully help them navigate that in a positive way. No, it's great because if you can get them there, it will carry their entire lives. So I think that's why people say to me, why do you want to go back into colleges? I go, cause there's more of a chance to change. <laughs> like you can mm-hmm. impact them now, which I think is amazing. So before we got on air, you were telling me, like, I know your book's coming out in November, which I'm so proud of you and excited for you, but you Thanks. had another book before that. So not exactly. It was, I self published my book the first time around. That's okay. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And so I I truthfully didn't even seek out a traditional publisher, um, really because a, I I have the right connections that I was able to do that, which I think it would have been really hard if I didn't have some of the connections that I have. Okay. Thank you Um, for your honesty. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but I went the self publish route just because it's such a niche audience. Um, and I, I just had a really clear vision of, what I wanted the book to be and how I wanted it to read. Cause I work with the athletes every day. Um, yeah. so I had a really clear vision on what I thought would get across to them. And that includes some of Wait, my, I stop people. do you hear what Lauren just said? This is really good for no matter who's listening out there, all my youngins in college, listen to this clear vision. She already knew what she wanted and how she wanted it to look. And once you got that, there's no stopping you. So she, she could self-publish. I just had to hold on to that because I was just telling her, you knew how you wanted to look and you didn't want anybody to change it for you. And you, exactly. know, you yep. were, and you were like, I'll self-publish. I have enough connections. I know what I need to put out in the world. All right. You can go forward now. That's <laughs> awesome. So proud um, of you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, so did the self-publish route. Um, and like I said, kept my, not only the sarcastic tone here and there that I wanted, um, but just was able to really, to really follow through on exactly what I wanted. And I was really happy with the uh, final product. And so that book is from athlete to normal human. Um, And so then the self-publish was awesome, but it's hard in terms of from a business perspective. Um, you know, I always tell people, don't write a book if you're hoping to like retire from that. <laughs> you know, you no, might oh, no, a, because you need it to get it out. You, yeah, I know. You, yeah. you might not, you might become a thousandaire maybe. Um, <laughs> but, 
so anyway, long story short, I just wanted to pers- I wanted to at least feel out like, you know, with a traditional publisher, could we make a little bit more of a of a splash outside of my immediate connection within the collegiate realm? Yep. Yeah. Um, so felt it out and that's how I got connected with Skyhorse. Um, I actually knew another dietitian, Leslie Schilling, um, who co-wrote a book called Born to Eat. Ooh, um, wait, I love that. Okay, mm-hmm. go ahead. And, and so, yeah, that quick plug for her book. That's about basically feeding from infancy through early childhood. Good for you. Um, Good for you to plug another author. Proud of you. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I had that connection, reached out to Skyhorse. They liked the idea and we kind of ran with it. Um, and so I will republish for all intents and purposes, the same book. Um, we made a few little changes here and there, added a few couple, like, you know, a couple things, but yeah. um, essentially the same book will republish November 6th and a slight title change. It's going to now be called the healthy former athlete. Oh, so cool. it sounds like it might be a different book, but it's really the same book. No, no. I'm, and I, you know, most people want to admit that. And I love that you did that. So a couple questions. How long did it take you to originally write your first book, your first self-published book? I would say, I mean, it was definitely kind of a slow, a slow process. Cause I would just write whenever I had time, which yeah. in college athletics is not a lot. Um, I would say probably two to three years. Okay. Yep. I get it. And then how long was it self-published before you went this route? How long was the book out there? Um, it was May of, it's been about a year and a half. I had to do the math there. Yeah. not, Not bad at all. I'm so proud of you. I mean, Lauren, that that's amazing. And I love that what you said, and that's the reason most people do write books or publish books. It, Maybe it'll hit really big. Maybe you'll make money at it, but you're doing it because you want people to get this knowledge. You want to spread the word and you believe it so much and you're so passionate about it. So that's what it sounds like. You needed to share this with the world. For sure. This is definitely within my professional you know, realm. This is my passion area. Um, yeah. I've seen my friends struggle with it. I've seen athletes that I worked with come back and they're struggling with it. Um, and there's really no resources out there for it. Um, no, was, there isn't. By the way, I researched and I thought, kudos to her because there is no other book like this out there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I, that was part of what really drove me. You know, I had thought about it, thought, oh, well, that would be a cool book idea. Um, and then did a little research and found, oh my gosh, there's nothing. And so then I thought, well, you know, I have to write it. <laughs> there's nothing out there. Well, because... You can't, I always say to people, if, if, if you feel like there's a, a null and void out there in an area, go do it because mm-hmm. there's going to be enough other people that you're reaching. But the main reason you're doing it is because I wish I would have had that resource. I wish somebody would have said this to me. I know I'm going through this and I would have loved to have read this book. Do you know what I mean? And that's, and that's the reason to do anything. And believe me, They'll, even though, like you said, it's a niche market, there will be enough people that go, oh, my God, so I'm not alone? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what you're trying to do, right? For sure. And educate them and help them feel better. Yeah, so, and it's been, it's been cool, too, to see, for sure, the biggest population has been former collegiate athletes, but also I've gotten messages here and there from kind of just average people. Um, yeah. 
or, or even people who finished playing a sport years and years ago, you know, they're 40, 50 plus years old, um, who have found some resonance with the book and some helpful things from it. So that's been cool. There are so many people. It's not just like you're super, cause like me, I'm not an elite athlete, but, but I relate cause I got it and online and I could relate to it. You know, there's pieces that you can pick of how you feel and where do you fit in and you know, what do you do as you get older? So I think it's really good. Lauren, I have a question for you. So now what does your day look at? Look question like, um, like your average day at Purdue, mm-hmm. like, you have many clients. Do you see, is it full? Like you have to have X amount of people or every day is different. So every day is definitely different, which is one of the things I really like about my job. Um, but generally speaking, it's a blend and an ebb and a flow of definitely one-on-one consultations with athletes. Um, and that could be about anything, um, you know, as simple as planning snacks, eating breakfast, grocery shopping, something basic like that, um, to, you know, eating disorders, GI issues, food allergies, um, you name it. So kind of everything under the sun. Um, and then we definitely do a lot of team education. So we'll do, you know, not just talks with our teams, but, grocery store tours, food demos, things like that. Um, we do, we do a lot of different stuff with body composition. So we do have a DEXA machine. Um, you know, so we kind of longitudinally look at our athletes body composition. Um, what else do we do? Definitely a lot of food service actually, because of all that food we're providing now. Oh, so yeah, we manage, um, at any given time, well over a million dollars worth of food over the course of a year. So not that we're, you know, out there wrapping bagels or something every day. Mostly we have students helping us with that, but there's definitely a food service aspect and we have, you know, 13 plus facilities that we oversee in terms of getting that food out there. Yeah. So So do you, I have to ask, cause I'm not sure. Do you, is it any team male and female or is it, are you in charge of just a certain group of athletes? So I oversee all the sports, but I work specifically with football, men's basketball, soccer, and volleyball. So you were the men? Um, no, the female, or sorry, soccer and volleyball are the female teams Okay, for me. Um, okay. And then I have three dietitians who work with me, um, and we each kind of split up the team. So we all have between four and six teams. Oh. So like you said, every day could be different depending on who needs you. Yep. Yeah. And what, what season they're in, you know, if you're, if a lot of your teams are in season, you probably won't have as many one-on-one consultations because they're busy, Yeah, Uh, yeah. but you might be doing a lot of meal planning or you might be out of practice some with your heavy sweaters. I mean, you name it. It's always different. I, I think this must be so awesome for you, but all right. I have one question because there was a guy at temple that said to me, because I always tell people who I'm going on with and if you have any questions. And so the, uh, you just answered one of them earlier. But the second one is, what the heck? He said, ask her, do I have to be worried about my gut health? Is my gut health causing my... <laughs> he's a kid. He's you know, up like mm-hmm. probably getting two hours sleep. So it's probably funny because he's a senior in college. But right. he's like, um, is it my gut health that's causing my brain to be fogged? And I go, maybe it's your drinking and your lack of sleep. But I was just being a wise thought. <laughs> well, your answer is probably more uh, accurate, definitively, yeah. yeah, related. 
the only the thing I would say about gut health is I think we have only cracked the surface of what we will learn about how our gut microbiome is linked to so many things in our body. Um, and the brain fog is all I go, oh, your gut's controlling your brain. I'm like, shit, I hate when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, definitely good gut health is important. Um Although kind of back to our supplement point, does that mean that you should just go pound a bunch of probiotic supplements? No. Um, there's actually shout out to Lauren for saying that. Go ahead. <laughs> there's actually more and more research coming out that is showing the best thing you can do. And this is really not available to the general public at this point in time, but the best thing you can do is figure out your unique strains within your gut microbiome and supplement based on what strains you need. Um, Versus where the elite professional athlete can probably do that, right? Probably, at least close. Like I said, it's such a new area. I mean, we're talking the last few years, this has really exploded. Um, And I think, like I said, I think we've only touched the surface. So gut health is really important um, for the average person. Probably your best strategy would be, are you hydrating well? Are you getting plenty of fiber in your diet? Are you getting a diverse diet? Um, And definitely including some of those foods that do have probiotics, whether it's yogurt, kefir, um, you know, any fermented product, if you like. So he doesn't, he wanted to know, does he have to cut out, uh, gluten? I just laugh at this stuff, but go ahead. No, I'll, oh, the gluten, the gluten thing. Um, I'm sorry. I, I had to throw it in there as the hail Mary because I know you hear it a million times. I don't want to give my opinion. I'm not a nutritionist. Please go Lauren. What I would say is it is pretty um, cut and dry that unless you're celiac disease, you do not need to cut gluten out of your diet. Um, the only the only asterisk I would add there is you certainly do see people who struggle with gluten, quote unquote, intolerance, yeah. uh, which has really not been proven to be a real thing. Um, probably more often what happens when people, cause there's lots of people out there that cut gluten out and they're like, Oh my gosh, I feel so much better. And you know, I had these symptoms and they're gone. Um, we're learning more and more about the FODMAPs. If you've heard of the FODMAP diet. Oh, I did. Yep. Um, and truthfully, a lot of those things overlap with gluten, but the difference really being that a lot of people have intolerance to different carbohydrates. Um, in terms of simple sugars or even complex sugars, um, instead of gluten, which is a protein found in some carbohydrate foods. It's just the buzzword that people know. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think I would say when people do cut gluten out and they see a benefit, it's probably not actually the gluten that's giving them the benefit, um, or the lack of gluten rather. Yeah. And worth noting that a lot of times people do that and they cut out a bunch of junk food you know, they cut out a bunch of crap. Oh, I feel so much better. It must be the gluten. Yeah. Um, Don't get me started. It's right. I'm like, do you don't think it was the bag of wise chips you stopped eating? I don't know. Right. (laughs) Exactly. But it's not, like I said, it's not like my, like some things just don't make common sense. Like the whole world can't be allergic. Exactly. Like, no, I cut out gluten saying I feel great. And I'm like, Okay, well, <laughs> I don't want to study that area, but you're also not eating cheese steaks right. or cheesecake, but that's just me knowing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lauren, I think I would love talking to you forever. I'm ever Purdue. I think I would love hanging out with you. I'm so, 
so happy that you're doing something you love and you're impacting people. And I think your book is going to do phenomenal, not even just with the athlete. So I'm really looking forward to that. I love your honesty and I like that you actually can relate to it. Like with, I love that you could talk about stories from people that you see every day, you know, so that this is what you're dealing with, not just from your life, but from the people that you're still working with it. So it's very applicable. Is there anything that before we wrap up that we didn't get in that you would like to say to everyone? Um, I covered everything, but I mean, in case we did. (laughs) Right. No, I think I would, I would just say, I hope some people are listening that feel like the book could be applicable to them, or maybe they know someone. Um, And my hope has been with the whole project, you know, through the self-publish and now the republish um, to put a product out there. That's really an easy read. I know my athletes at least are not trying to read another book after they got their classes. The first like seven pages, where do I go? Where do I go? Yeah. yeah. Right. So, um, so yeah, the point is to be an easy read to be relatable. Um, and I hope, that people will find it to be just that. Um, but yeah, you're not alone out there for sure. If you're struggling with that transition, there's millions of other people who are in your same shoes. Millions. Well, Lauren, listen, just on a personal level, if you do have any questions, cause I've just been through the sky horse thing. And, you know, so I was traveling, I was doing a lot of, lot of touring and traveling and, in the first year or two. So, but if you have any questions for me, please reach out like, you know, because I've been there and done it and I know what makes it work and how to get it out there. Even though we're in different realms, it's still the same. It's still the wellness. Cause mine, you know, more is um, the brain set and positive psychology, but it all works together. You know, it all works together. So sure. I, well, I appreciate that. Yeah. And you never know. I like, you know, mentoring and helping and somebody can give you something that you didn't know today. And you just put that in your cap and it helps your career. So I appreciate your time, Lauren, and I'm excited for everybody to get your book. And I want to say this, I've never been to Indiana. I don't even know what it's like. (laughs) It's very Midwest. We, we stick true to the Midwestness. Uh, of that but we're lovely people we're super nice there's lots oh, to you know do. what I'm gonna, I'm gonna restate i've never been there but i was in valley forge i don't know if anybody's ever heard i was um hiking with my dog and i ran into this woman with her four dogs and she was here with her husband on business and she, i don't know where she was from in indiana but she was from indiana and she was that she's like hi i'm lost i'm like yeah you look lost and we had the most lovely conversation i'm like where are you from she goes well I'm not sure if I should say it because we're in Philadelphia, but I'm from Indiana. <laughs> I, said, I go, well, I don't know what that means, but you seem like a really lovely, awesome person. And she was so down to earth and friendly. I said, but I don't know if you should talk to everybody in Philly this way because right. you, you know, you just happened to come across me on the trail, but it was <laughs> And that was two weeks ago. And she was from Indiana and she was so down to earth. It was so cool. She was so fun. Well, if you ever roll through, you'll have to stop at Purdue. We can grab a drink or something. Oh, uh, you don't know. You'll be like, oh my God, Sandy's on tour. You'll be like, shit, coming to Purdue. But here she is. And, all right, Lauren, thank you so much. Thank you and for having me. Real, please, oh, please keep an open mind. Take all this in and see how you can apply it to your life. And remember, 
What story are you going to tell? Ciao. Thanks for listening. Remember, keep highlighting the positive and let's keep it real.